0: Now I make it known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive, in which also you stand by, which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. And that is First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host AW Varilla. and next to me as always the president Stephen Dan Hartog. What's up everybody? <laughs> Good to be back with you again today. And also let's not forget our intern TD the one and only Lemon Pepper. Lemon Pepper, LP. Well that's a that's his new theologian name but um so we're, we're, That's we're a long story we won't, we won't yeah we won't go in there we, we won't get into that Steve Steve doesn't want to get into that right now <laughs> but uh, uh guys uh, what's happening what's been what's been going on here at bridge we've been open uh, several weeks now and uh, can we just share some exciting news? So it's been nice to have the flow of things going on and, and seeing new faces, new traffic,
1: and especially, you know, as we said over and over, we're such close to the campus, so I've been able to be on campus, interact with the college students and young adults there, and even bringing them to Bridge and, and just let them know um, what our mission is for the city and, and you know, just doing life with people.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, It's been exciting, just all the new people that we've been interacting here at the ministry. That's
2: exactly it. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of new faces, so that's been really cool. And we kicked off our cohort this past week as well. we
0: did. We are actually officially, uh, some of us, uh, uh, seminary students. students. So our cohort has started. Some will be getting their uh, Master's in Divinity, Master's in Biblical Study, Uh, I'll be doing a certificate in apologetics, so um, just really excited. Uh, Our professor, uh, Dr. Amy Bowe, we got to meet her the first time. She was absolutely fabulous, so uh, we're excited uh, to have her as our professor, and today we're actually having um, uh, what a part of our reading in our class is by uh, this author, Dr. Kelly um, on his book, a little book uh, for new theologians, why and how to study theology by IVP Academic Press. So we're looking forward uh, to having on. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about why theology matters and how to apply theology in our Christian life. So I'm super excited about that. Also, I wanna make an announcement for our Spanish conference that is coming up November 19th, 2022. Uh, And it's gonna be at uh, the university, TAMIU. Um, And it's gonna, our guests, our guest speakers are gonna be Jonathan Tucker, Juan Sanchez, and Eduardo Martorano. And we're gonna be talking about Sola Scriptura, the centrality of the word. So again, for all our Spanish-speaking uh, audience out there, please make sure that you guys are signing up, register, so that we have a good, no- we have an idea of uh, the number of people that are going to show up because there's a lot of planning that needs to go on because we will be serving food. So uh, again, please, please uh, go sign up, and you can register on our website, and you can re- register at our website at BridgemenLaredo.org. Also, we also are starting up our Bible studies again, so please go online and register for that or uh, please stop by and you guys can uh, uh, just ask one of uh, uh, the Steve or TD or so if anybody here uh, when those things are starting. Uh, again, please subscribe to Apple, Android, Google, and Stitcher Radio. And please, again, visit our website at bridgemanloredo.org. And we're also on Spotify. Is there anything else, fellas, that we want to just add to that? No. All right. I think well, we're good. We're good. Let's get this podcast started. All Five, four, three, two, one. Dr. Kelly M. Capick is Professor of Theological Studies at Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. He's the author of God So Love He Gave and Communion with God. Welcome, Dr. Kelly Capick, to Bridge Radio for the first time.
1: Oh, it's great to be with you all. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, man. Well, Dr. Kapik, uh the way we came across you, which is absolutely amazing, and mm-hmm. at least for, for me, we here at Bridge, we started our um, we, we have a min, uh, sorry, we have um, seminary here through uh, Birmingham mm-hmm. Theological uh, Seminary and one of our first assignment reading was your book. (laughs) Oh, that's great, there you go. And that's how we came across your book. And uh, Mm -hmm. we are a bookstore here and uh, and a coffee shop and a teaching ministry, and we interview authors. So when uh, our cohort got to read this book, everybody was on the same page. I was like, wow, this is an amazing book. Like this is a must read for everybody. And uh, Steve and I were talking, and I was like, we need to get him on. I'll so... pay you later.
1: Thank you. That's kind. <laughs>
0: yeah. So um, but before we uh begin, Dr. Capic, uh, can you just uh tell us a little bit about yourself and how God drew you to saving faith?
1: Yeah, thank you guys again for having me. So I I'm I live in Georgia now, uh right right above Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um on Lookout Mountain, Georgia. So it's it's right there. But my wife and I are both originally from California. Uh mm. grew up in some of your older listeners will know Lodi, California, stuck in Lodi from Creedence Clearwater Revival back in the day. There you go. Um <laughs> so Northern California I grew up there and um but really uh early in high school became a follower of Christ, and that was quite significant. I'm someone who really believes in ministry to young people, uh, having benefited myself. And that was quite significant. And, um, but part of that after a few years is I also started, I had an, a mentor who cared about theology and saw how it was relevant for life. And that was quite significant. And, but my, my wife and I got married fairly young. Um, this year we are about to celebrate our 30th, well, eight months out, but, hmm. but uh, it'll be our 30th anniversary. Uh, but we, yeah, we're in California, lived in outside of Chicago, Wheaton for a few years, and or Orlando, Florida, and then London. But now we've been, I've been teaching at Covenant College since 2001, so 21 years. And um, yeah, God's just been really faithful, uh, drawing us, working in kind of pretty subtle and profound ways. And we've just, yeah, we've been really thankful to be able to pour into college students these last 20 years.
2: Hmm. Wow, that's amazing. That is great, yeah. Yeah. As Abe introduced this book, and uh, I've been reading a few chapters of it, it's it's one of those little books that I just think everybody as a Christian needs to read, because mm. I love mm. the way you start out as uh, in chapter one, you say, entering into the conversation, and you quote Martin Luther here, and I think it's a great quote. He mm-hmm. says, we are all called theologians, just as we are all called Christians. And I wonder if you would unpack that a little bit, uh, Dr. Kapeck, yeah. and just talk a little bit about why it is that we are all theologians. Even people who are not Christians are theologians, yeah. right? And so how is yeah. that, and why is that important?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I, really, the word theology can be a little intimidating, but at its base, theology is kind of made up of two words. And some of your listeners will, will can figure this out, like, Theo is God— theos from God. and ology is actually from uh logos or word at its very, at its most basic level. Theology is just a word about God mm. or a thought about God. And, and the reality is, you know, not everyone's professional theologians, obviously, but when you're going through infertility, when you're, when you've had your heart broken, when you're dealing with chronic pain, mm. um, all of these kind of things, or, or the, the, Delights of a baby, or whatever it is, we have thoughts about God, whether they're even spoken or not, whether yeah. those words are spoken or not. We have words about God, and so the the reality is we do have them. And so, as cheesy as it may sound, the question isn't "Are you a theologian?" The question hmm. is "Are you a good one?" Yeah. Mm. And and that's really not about taking exams. It's about life, and you know, what does a faithful life look like? And do we have a right understanding of God or a distorted one? Um, do we have a right understanding of ourselves or a distorted one? So yeah, those are those, those are some of the ways to get into it.
0: I, I I love on page nineteen. You says one of the greatest theological challenges of our time is to move our worship beyond self self absorption. Can you mm. explain a little bit of that uh, about that? Just quoting in in your book.
1: Yeah, I mean, part of it is. There's this um, there's this kind of paradox where we are, in a sense, by necessity, the centers of our world Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we see the world from our own perspective and those kind of things. And culturally, we live in a historical and cultural moment where the self, it's all about self. And the way we understand ourselves in this historical moment is by looking within. Um, And I don't even think most people in the Western world realize how incredibly recent that is, Mm. and how very Western that is, Uh, in most of the history of the world and throughout much of the globe to this day, if you want to know who you are, if you ask someone who you are, they'll tell you about their tribe, they'll tell you about the land they grew up on, they'll tell you about their family, they'll tell you about their vocation. But, But in many of the Western world, now it's, let me tell you about my internal world. So all, all of that to say, so one of the things that can happen in that kind of climate is everything is self-referential, which is crushing, interestingly enough. It, it leads to increased anxiety. And so a good theology lifts the gaze from your, from your belly button up to God. Um, it, it, it expands your world rather than narrows it. It, it makes you start to th- consider what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love my neighbor? What does it mean to love his creation? In good and healthy ways, and all of that actually can take us away from self-absorption. But self-absorption distorts all of those relationships.
0: Yeah, and I guess I should have made it clear that you were also referencing of idols right before that. Mm-hmm. You say, "Well, most of us are no longer drawn to a Baal or Asaroth of the past. We still look to idols, which is not God, for our security, mm-hmm. happiness, and comfort." And I thought that was pretty pretty impactful. Amen. Yeah, in the statement. Yeah, And I think it's just just,
1: hard for us to, I'm sorry, it's just hard for us to identify our own idols, right? That's part of where we need Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Stephen.
2: No, no, I was just going to say that's a great segue to chapter two, to know and enjoy God becoming wise. And you Mm -hmm. talk about how theology allows us to do that. I'm just reminded of um, the first question and answer from uh, Westminster, the chief end of man Mm -hmm. to know God, to enjoy God, to glorify God and to enjoy Mm -hmm. him forever, you know, and when we come to that realization, it changes everything. And you actually mm. quote the top of page 22, my favorite theologian, my, my favorite quote of all time. I th- honestly, <laughs> I think mm. it is the quintessential <laughs> statement of existence because yeah. uh, Cal- uh, Augustine says this, the uh, fourth century theologian. says, says, um, you arouse us so that praising you may bring us joy because you have made us and drawn us to yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And I think when mm-hmm. we come to understand that, it's the core of who we are and for what we were created. And so, mm-hmm. can you just uh, talk about that a little bit more? And 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 why theology? I guess looking at theology from that perspective, it really is cr- crucial for us because it it yeah. points us to who God is and why we were created.
1: Oh, it's a great question. It's very interesting because just recently I've been uh, there are two different um, non-Christian atheist authors, uh, one in an autobiography, one in a work of fiction, different people. And um, the the one in the autobiography, is a British author, and he said uh, at one point, he basically has this a couple of times in his autobiography, but he says, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. But then he says, but I, I miss him. Hmm. Wow. And then, and then this other uh, fictional work I, I saw at the very end, it's, it's you know basically we've we've lost God. He doesn't believe in God, but then at the end he's like, "Don't tell anyone," but I miss God, mm-hmm. right? And now I know people can go, "Oh, this is psychological pro- projection. You miss God, and so you're creating something that doesn't exist." But there's another way of imagining it. The the, the other way is that actually we were created by a God. And so he knows this better than anyone. He knows what human flourishing looks like. And so to we and, and in that gets to the enjoyment. He's made us to enjoy him, to enjoy others, to enjoy the earth. And sin, the scary word Christians use, is what has distorted all of those relationships. And so really... Um, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. Amen. And the surprise is to find your rest in God actually can reconnect you to your neighbor yeah. and even a right relationship to the earth, which is like your work and other kinds
2: of things.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's your, that's your life quote. I think Steve, can it I say, th- can I say that, is, is that fair?
2: It seems like I'm talking yeah, to someone, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm in conversation, I'm, yeah, it seems like I'm yeah. quoting that at least once a week. Yeah. yeah that's, right. great. Ab- <laughs> that's
0: great. Absolutely. Um, later on in that same chapter, uh, you do quote John Calvin, one of our other favorite uh, reformers mm-hmm. here. Uh, you say, uh, you quote John Calvin and say this, and, and excuse me, uh, he said, uh, John Calvin similarly connected knowledge to worship. He argues for mm-hmm. a strong relationship mm-hmm. with, between our knowledge mm-hmm. of God and our knowledge of ourself, both which are vital for faithful worship. Uh, why connect the knowledge to worship, and why is that important?
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh, There's this profound, very complicated relationship between faith and understanding, Mm -hmm. um, between knowledge and action, and in the history of the Church, that's kind of been debated, you know, how how do all these things kind of work? But at its basic level, the reason why understanding and worship are connected is because if we misunderstand who god is it keeps us from him so there's a puritan for example 17th century puritan john owen who at one point he talks about how we are tempted to have hard thoughts about god what he calls hard thoughts about god when when things are really bad he doesn't mean by that like you shouldn't ever ask hard questions of god you what he means by hard thoughts and he says god god doesn't love these hard thoughts of us or he it, these, these hard thoughts we have of God kind of grieve God. But what Owen means is not that God is offended by them. He, they grieve God because they know if we think hard thoughts about God, if we think he's cruel, if we think he's distant, if we think he's unconcerned, it grieves God because he wants to be there. He wants to comfort us. He is there. He is loving. He is compassionate. So it grieves him not because he's getting angry at us, but he, he knows those misunderstandings keep us from him. Yeah. So, good theology is what fosters the communion we are meant to have with God, mm. and and distorting theology ends up either projecting some kind of Santa Claus figure on the one hand, or maybe a cruel cool absentee father on the other, mm. and and these things sneak into our our theology, our view of God, often because of our personal experience or various teachings or whatever. So, theology really matters because it will either, at its best, it cultivates and fosters healthy worship. And at its worst, it distorts and undermines it.
2: Yeah. Wow. Amen. Yeah, and I think that uh, proper understanding of who God is allows us to be who we really are, who we were created mm. to be. So we find the fulfillment for our existence. And, we're, you know, I think sometimes, sometimes you hear people talk about uh, God as kind of being, well, you know, prideful or or selfish mm-hmm. because he wants the worship but that's the reason that we were created right he created right. us for that and so when we come to that realization we come to realize the meaning that for which i was created and it, and it's the fulfillment that we've always been looking for i guess that's why i find augustine's quote just so uh so life-changing for me when i when i when i came to realize that it really it really did it changed my whole perception about who god Mm -hmm. is and about why i'm here
1: yeah and i like how you you know we're even asking sometimes people think it, it does sound weird like does god need our worship right does god have some kind of hole in him that he created us to fulfill and the answer is no 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 creation is out of the overflow of the triune love of God it's not some kind of deficiency amen so if it if creation is out of the overflow of his love then actually worship is us entering into and participating in that divine love amen. and responding to it and and so it's it's not that God needs us to worship but to not worship him is to live a lie it's to live in a false understanding of the world and who God is and who we are but to enter into it is to start to have your heart rest as it was meant to.
2: Amen. And it's really gracious on God's part that he was willing to share that with us, that he that's created right. us and gave yeah. us that ability to share in his worship. You know, I mean, yeah, what a huge right. blessing it is for us.
0: Absolutely. And, mm. I, and and just thinking like we get to do that and he, and just, I'm just thinking about the relational aspect of it. Mm. Like we are in communion with a holy God in worship like you said, we, he doesn't need it, but like Steve, mm-hmm. you just said, like we get to participate in that and how amazing that is and how glorious mm-hmm. that yeah. is, you know, and because it is all about him and not about us, but mm-hmm. I get joy from that when I worship true worship. And I, I do find that amazing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Capic, before we go on to the third chapter, uh, I wanted to touch on your little boxes of quotes from mm. different theologians, uh, yeah. uh, from different people. I, I, I even saw one uh, a quote from a book of common prayer, which uh, we were just mm-hmm. recently talking oh, yeah. with uh, uh, Aaron Damiami from uh, uh, mm. Anglican. uh pastor we just interviewed on his book. Uh, and uh, what was the purpose behind those little boxes there? They're like just right yeah. in the middle of like these pages. And they're, and they're like yeah. great because there's just, you know, what was all behind that?
1: <laughs> yeah, some of it's a lot of research I did, and I'm like, there's gems here I would love to share with people, right? And at its best, a good quote in one sentence can make people think about something that if you take three pages to say it, they'll miss the point.
2: Yeah, amen. or you you are you
1: start to undermine it. So just one quote. And the reality is a lot of people will flip to the book and just look at the quotes. (laughs) So the hope is, you know, the hope is that actually will will teach you quite a bit and get you thinking. And then hopefully you actually read the book. But yeah, those are I, I, you know, when I'm reading and I get a good quote, I'm like, I want to share it. So that's kind of in my writing. You'll see that. Shows up
0: a fair amount. Amen. Yeah. You guys need to read the book. Don't if you guys read, don't Mm -hmm. just read a quote, but uh, in chapter chapter two, I really appreciate you uh, quoting J.I. Packer. on God Mm -hmm. has spoken. He says, theologies cannot be sung or prayed for that matter are certainly wrong at a deep level. And such theology, theologies leave me in both senses, cold, cold hearted and uninterested. And I know Mm -hmm. that, you know, when you're putting these quotes and what you're talking about in that chapter mm-hmm. just kind of co- coincides with what you are are speaking of. And I just I just thought that was great. And I wanted to just ask you about it because I was like, oh, these are just great little quotes here. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, yeah. I was just going to say, I do think a, a test of our theology is, does it teach you to sing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and a good theology teaches you the song of redemption. And that is actually more interesting than people think because it's, learning the song of redemption, so to speak, learning how to sing your theology, is the skill of learning when to praise, but also when to lament, when to be louder, and when to be quiet, when just to be silent. Um, And bad theology doesn't know those differences. It's just reducing everything to to answers. Um, And so I think the vibrant imagery of, of worship and song can help us think theology is not just, it's not some academic thing. This is about the, you don't have to even be a high school graduate to be a good theologian. Right.
2: It's really life as a liturgy, isn't it? It's, it's it's taking us through that, uh, that, you know, call to worship, the recognition of who God is and why Mm. he created us, you know, recognition of our sin, who we are in comparison to him, um, you know, uh, asking him for guidance, for illumination, uh, into mm. his word and yeah, that's that's really good. So going into chapter three, you quote G.K. Chesterton, "Theology mm. as Pilgrimage," and it says uh, from Chesterton, "People have fallen into a foolish habit of speaking of orthodoxy as something heavy, humdrum, and safe. There never was anything so perilous or so exciting as orthodoxy." And that's from Chesterton's book, Orthodoxy. So mm. why? is that true can you flesh that out a little bit why yeah. is why is there nothing why wasn't there never anything so perilous or so exciting as orthodoxy
1: yeah i mean orthodoxy is a fancy word for um actually at its, at its base orthos is the right and doxy is from worship like doxology so it's about right worship mm. and the reason it's perilous is if we get it wrong we end up worshiping idols mm. but the reason it's exciting is you know, for me, I, I teach college students for a living and I absolutely love watching students come in sometimes at the beginning of a semester who don't want to be there. Mm. And then as the semester goes on, their eyes just light where they think the, and they're not theology, maybe it could be a biology major, history, major, you know, whatever pre-law, but all of a sudden they start to see this matters so much to life and it's so life-giving and it energizes them. And it's, it's just this incredible gift and you think, no, 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 this is the, yeah, this is, this is a beautiful thing. So it's, it's exciting, but there is, there is a danger there to, um, mistreat the things of God.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that, uh, just even in that chapter, I was just highlighting so many things in there and, um, and I mean, towards the end, you say, when we see the relationship between theology and worship, we are moved beyond the intellectual curiosity to engage encounter with the living God. And Mm. (laughs) like I said, you know, and and I wrote to you in the emails, like I read this and it was very impactful. And I mean, again, for our listeners, you guys, I'm going to stress this over and over again. Like you got to get this book. Mm um and i don't I, you know what uh i don't even know how long this book has been in print uh to be honest uh 2012 that's about like 10 years, 10 years. So i'm happy you guys see it. yeah, yeah that's great. like it like this is really, something like that it was really refreshing to to, to 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 see that and the connections that you are making in this book with theology worship proper worship and so on and so mm-hmm. forth um but um I do want to jump ahead in chapter six. Yeah. Can uh-huh. I? Can I yeah, just? Yeah, go ahead. Can and I get, just say?
2: Yeah, pull up something from the end of chapter three. So, you uh, on page thirty six, you say Jesus Christ, God with us, makes it clear that He does not simply know the truth, but rather He is the truth, mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. and the life. Jesus, the Son of God, is really and actually God with us. He is God's self-revelation. None can come to know the Father but through the revelation of the Son. And I just thought in reading that how often we can study the Bible and know the Bible without really knowing truth, right? Because yeah, yeah. truth comes through Jesus Christ. And if we don't know Jesus Christ, if we don't have a personal relationship with mm-hmm. him, all of our study is really for naught.
1: Yeah, you know, you're right. And you even have Jesus and near the beginning of, of John's gospel, where he has a confer- you know confrontation with these Jewish leaders, and, and he said you know you know in, in these religious leaders and and he basically says they're using the hebrew bible against him
2: hmm.
1: and he, he basically said this this word was to take you to me and you're using it to try and get around me right oh, yeah. and i i think that's a danger to this day for us right we can have a high view of scripture and talk about the bible a lot but we can reduce it to just educational principles and ideas, and we have to. No, no, no. This is about the glory of Christ. Amen. This is. We learn these things in order that we might bask in the in the wonder of who Christ is, as as who God is, right? Um, and so we want to make sure we never replace, never substitute, worshiping ideas for for the reality.
2: Wow. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Why do we? Why do you think we fall in that danger when? Uh, we start studying and uh, we start learning and and, mm-hmm. and just kind of miss the, the the practical things of of who, who Christ is what is the gospel and and just mm-hmm. keep it at this just high intellectual level
1: yeah there's a particular danger when you start to learn when you move and you start to learn about rather than to to know right uh, in a in a deeper kind of way and that that is just something we always have to be aware of because this is this is partly why pride and arrogance is a constant challenge for Christians in general and Christian leaders uh, in particular because there is there is a power in knowledge and it can be used and people start to get impressed and we start to get impressed with ourselves and we start to think that god loves us more if we know more or we just kind of lose God in the midst. I've actually seen theology used in pretty terrible ways, even saying things that are in many ways orthodox, but actually weaponizing theology. Yeah. Oh, wow. I I have to deal with that a lot of times with with students who maybe they had a a dad who really loved theology, but he used it as a way to mm. ignore the family. He'd never change any diapers. He wouldn't actually enter into the family, and you know, like so now I have to undo and work through that deconstruction because theology is linked with something that's not loving, something that's not present. And uh, yeah, for various reasons, that becomes a temptation to substitute the ideas for the reality.
2: Mm. Wow. And that is a perfect segue to something I had <laughs> highlighted in chapter four. On page 47, mm-hmm. you talk about anthroposensitive theology. Yeah, good job, you said it. Yeah, there we go. It's a made up word I did, so thank <laughs> right. you, well done. Theologians yeah. have the right to do that. They make up words all Yeah, time. apparently. Um, So anthroposensitive theology, by which I mean a refusal to divorce theological considerations from human application, since theological reflections are always interwoven with anthropological concerns. And we've been talking about orthopathy um, in our cohort, you know, that kind of the way that the Holy Spirit applies to our lives, to our affections, our emotions, the way we live, you know, the things that we're learning. And uh, I think that that's that's so important, as you were saying, because if we know the truth and we can preach and teach the truth, but if we're not actually living it out, we are, as one uh, theologian put it, we're we're emasculating our ministry. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, that's just something that we need to always have before us and need to be reminded of.
0: Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you quote J.I. again, and, um, and just in the lines where you're talking about pride, he says, J.I. has warned us that if our theology does not quicken the conscience and soften the heart, it actually hardens hardens both. Mm-hmm. If it does not encourage the commitment of faith and it reinforces the detachment of unbelief and if it fails to promote humility, it inevitably feeds pride. Pride and mm. arrogance, which often accompany, accompany theological discussions, are n- not simply the temptation of the domineering pastor or condescending professor. They are a temptation for all of us. Mm. That that was probably the yeah. most impactful mm. ones that I've highlighted. I was like, "Wow,
1: that's great." Yeah, yeah, and it's this is partly why I mean this uh, why I wrote the book was there are plenty of introductions to theology, but honestly, they it's about like methodology and this is what theology means and this is how you do it. And the, and in those discussions, to be honest, there's almost never any discussion of character, mm. of virtue, of things like prayer and worship and those kind of things. And I think rightly understood theology is not an, just an ac- academic discipline, it is this thing. So that's why the second half are, or more of the book is on these characteristics of a good theologian, right? A prayer, a study, a humility, the the penchant for repentance, the dependence on history and community and all of those kind of things. Those really become important as safeguards against some of the things you were mentioning, like the arrogance, um, reducing these things to just ideas and not worship. Um, so it has to be not just head knowledge, it has to be something embodied, um, yeah. Because you're right, it will harden our hearts. Otherwise,
0: which that's kind of scary. Uh, yeah, it is scary. You know, yeah. one of one of uh, one of the guys in our cohort was you know talking about that the other day. You know, mm-hmm. of, the, of of his fear of just acquiring all this knowledge and and you know making sure. And he's sitting right next to me, but he's not on. But <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at, I'm looking at him, but uh, uh just just of be able to learn all these things and make sure that the, that the heart remains soft. And in his Mm. context, he is engaging the Hispanic community, Mm. which, uh, which sometimes I should say a lot of times what happens in the Spanish community, uh, they tend to prop up teachers and pastors just for whatever Mm. reason. Um, and what starts happening is that you get these men, uh, who, are, are learned who do studied and you get a lot of the people who are just like, wow, you're so amazing. And this is constant. Mm. And I think becomes a very dangerous uh, uh, thing for them uh, because we've seen Mm. it here. You know, we've seen it here and and the dangers in that. So I really, I really love that he was really honest about that fear that he has Mm. as he was sitting in his first class, uh, preparing uh, his first class of seminary and preparing to go into ministry.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. And can I let me let me throw a twist into this that I, I think is fun to think about and mm. and is good for us to think about. So, especially like you know, people start to learn theology, and there there's the legitimate and right fear, like I'm learning so much, my my life can't keep up, right? I'm not being able to apply all of that. And I think that's that's a legitimate thing to be aware of. Um, there are seasons of life where you're called to learn. And, you know, um, and so we want to be aware is, is our, quote unquote, head knowledge growing faster than our lives. Mm. But where I'd like to push us a little bit that we don't tend to think about, we're more familiar with that danger. I think we're not always familiar with the flip. So sometimes the version of that is we say, our, my theology is better than my life. Mm -hmm. but actually sometimes the opposite can be true and this scares some people, but I think sometimes people's lives can be better than their theology. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is you'll have some people who will say, you know, I don't believe in the sovereignty of God. This sounds really a problem. Mm -hmm. I don't, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but when you pray with them, They are dependent on God and praising God for every little thing, from the food to the parking spot to everything, right? (laughs) So they're actually, their life is all about dependence on the sovereignty of God. And then you meet other people who tell you left and right about sovereignty of God, and they'll quote Calvin left and right, and their lives, really, it's very clear the whole world depends on their own shoulders. Mm, And so the question is, who actually understands the sovereignty of God? The one who can articulate it or the one who's living it? And so I I do want us to be aware. It's true. We got to be aware that don't just learn and not try and apply, but also be aware there may be things in your life that are closer to truth than your head is. (laughs) And (laughs) so it's not just one direction. Uh Um, And that that knowledge can also help us appreciate brothers and sisters who may not have the training but we can learn from. Amen. Even if they don't know theologians or don't know how to articulate things, their lives can shape us in helpful ways.
0: Hey man, that is so true. And I think uh, being aware of that is super important, mm. especially somebody who is yeah. going into ministry and as uh, a teacher, a pastor, an elder, yeah. of recognize who his sheep are, right? Because mm. we're not all the same. And and I mm. think that's very important. And, and I hope that um, as I'm listening to this, that I make those uh, uh, applications to my life as well. Mm. uh, To recognize those things, to live out those things that I'm learning, Mm. and recognize when somebody else might not be in that understanding of just head knowledge of theology. But man, recognizing Mm. that that brother, like you said, in Christ, his prayer life, his, his, how he lives uh, and, and trust God is probably a lot a lot better than mm. mine is. And, and I can learn from him. There, and, and yeah.
2: There's a brother who comes in here. I've known him. We've known him for almost as long as we've been here, but he comes in and gets Bibles. And he mm. lives actually across the border in Nuevo Laredo, which is, mm. if you know, is a very violent city. And he, uh, he became a Christian later in life, but he is the most on fire um unafraid ambassador for Christ that I have ever mm-hmm. met he will share the gospel literally with anybody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um he actually mm-hmm. he just he, he puts me to shame every time I <laughs> yeah. every time I yeah. not not that he and he his, his educational level is very low mm-hmm. you know uh, mm-hmm. just talking mm-hmm. with him he just you know he doesn't have the vocabulary you know, that somebody else might, but wow, you know, I'm convinced that he is going to have so many more crowns than I will, because when it comes to sharing the gospel, he is absolutely fearless and he loves the Mm -hmm. Lord with all of his heart. Yeah. His mansion is going to look
0: bigger than yours in heaven, Steve. No (laughs) doubt. As long as I'm his neighbor, I'm good with that. The dwelling dwelling place will be bigger now. Uh, I love to talk about that. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, 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 Honestly, uh, Dr. Capic, it's convicting just to read that, mm-hmm. you know, and and just talking about it, you know, and mm-hmm. recognizing those things, you know, like I'm you know, we are all we are all different members of the same body, you know, and we mm-hmm. all have different gifts. So just recognizing that. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Dr. Capic, before we start landing this plane, let's just start. Mm-hmm. Let's, we're going to be talking about one more chapter here it's chapter six you were talking about uh earlier on how in the second half of the book we start making the connections of theology and prayer prayer and study now mm. uh, why is that important yeah
1: because uh apart from prayer i think theology um, gets distorted uh. and because you're you're not this is not an abstract philosophy this is this is about a true and living god and so only through prayer um only through prayer can the breath of theology be properly done, you know, breathed. <laughs> uh, theology is properly a prayer. It's an extended prayer meant to be a prayer for the community that individuals engage in, which is partly why we do theology with our living communities, with co- with the community of faith through the ages. Um, but I just think without prayer, uh, we just end up in really problematic spaces. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, again, on page 66, uh, towards the end of the first paragraph, you say, How sad for us to speak of God often and yet neglect our own communion with Him. And that's yeah. so true. Hmm. I mean, yeah.
1: I mean, I think it, you, there are surveys, and, you know, pastors, if they trust you, they'll be honest. And so many pastors will even tell you, you know, they feel they, they're having to study the Bible, they're preparing sermons, they doing this. And you ask them about prayer, they always will say, I should pray more, but sometimes the data on how much they're praying is really, really minimal. Now there's a sense in which they pray without ceasing and they kind of occasionally through their day. But I, I think if, if we're honest, uh, and this is related to another project I'm working on, but if we're honest, the reason why we don't pray is because we don't think it's doing anything.
2: Uh.
1: It's actually a waste of time. It's more important to go out and read books or to be doing something that's productive. And that is a distortion of theology. So uh, the very, the, the ability to be silent with God, the ability to talk with God, the ability to wrestle with God, I think is just, it is the oxygen for love and theology. And so you can't short circuit it, but everything in us culturally and in the church pushes us away from that to busyness.
0: Yeah, how true (laughs) that life gets busy and how easily Mm. I forget of my communion with God and my time in his word. I really like what uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says here on his book, The Psalms. By means of the speech of the Father in heaven, his children learn to speak with him, repeating God's own words after him. We begin to pray to him. Wow, what Mm. what great words. What great words. Mm
2: I was looking at the at the Karl Barth quote, and I think, again, this yeah. goes back to what you were just saying. Theological work it does not merely begin with prayer and is not merely accompanied by it. In its totality, it is peculiar and characteristic of theology that it can be performed only in the act of prayer. Wow, that's, I mean, right. that's a great reminder. Yeah, yeah.
0: so true.
1: Yeah, uh, there's this great quote where B.B. Uh, Warfield, the 19th century, early 20th century Princeton theologian, He said, you know, people say basically you can get more, a deeper, truer knowledge of God with 10 minutes on your knees than 10 hours in your books. And Warfield says, what are you talking about? No, no, no. Why are you pitting knowledge against piety? No, no, no. 10 hours on your knees reading your books. (laughs) And his point, the point is we, we. We make things enemies that are meant to be friends, yeah. right? That, that we go into our studies with God in a prayerful attitude. It's not like you have the pious part of your life and then you have the study part. of. It. No, no, no. It's it's about this is life lived with
2: and for God. Amen. Yeah. Immersed in prayer.
0: Yeah. Not pitting yeah. them against each other, but bringing That's them right. together. Wow. That is great. Well, Dr. Capic, uh, That went really fast. It did. did. And uh, again, we don't want, there was a lot in the book that we couldn't talk about. But uh, Mm. I I did have a question that just pop up. Do you make your students read your own book?
1: (laughs) They actually, well, I spent seven years, uh, this is one of my earlier books, but I said, you know, probably seven years teaching this stuff. And then, so I do, you know, when i published it. So now it allows us to do a flipped classroom. Mm. So I don't have to lecture that. They read it and then we get to talk about it. And um, and it's really fun, actually. And it, um, because it's just real practical stuff to get them started before we. That's not the whole class. This is the very beginning of the semester. But um, yeah, they do read it.
0: Oh, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, it was definitely. Uh, impactful for me, just starting off our uh, class, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And um,
2: we'll be putting it on our shelves thank for you. sure.
0: Yeah, we'll be putting it on for our shelves as well. So hopefully, hopefully, people come in and buy it and start buying it around the world. But uh, Doctor Kapic, thank you for that. Me. I will
1: say, since you guys are in an international thing, that volume is I think in seven or eight different languages, so oh, really? people could find it in. You know, it's in Arabic and French and. Portuguese and Indonesian and a bunch of others so Spanish uh, one since them? you guys do reach and Spanish is one of the only that's not oh man. so interesting <laughs> it's Portuguese but not Spanish
0: oh man we need so, a we need a we yeah. need to get that going, uh Dak. So, we need to contact yeah. IVP uh, press or or we can buy the rights to it and uh see if we can uh, translate it here
1: yeah I actually have someone who offered to translate it it's just a I just, it's interesting that the, you know, in Brazil and por- the Portuguese audience, but I don't know the Spanish audience. So apparently, you know, it's just a question of, is there interest in there? And, you know, is there a publishing house there that'll do it? So
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, well, we, we got, we definitely got Spanish uh, connections here in translations. There you go. You guys um, sound like it. So. Yeah. So if, if you, if you do, you know, we, it, you know, we might be able to, cause I, I mean, the book was really impactful. I mean, it, was. it was. I mean, and I think if anybody needs to hear uh, these truths, it. I mean, yes, everybody does, but man, especially the Spanish community, and, and the things that we just see here within the community, where mm-hmm. it's very questionable when questionable when you know we we get Spanish leaders who you know acquire a lot of, a lot of knowledge, and I think it tends to puff them up you know, Mm. that is a general statement, you know, obviously we know that's not everybody, but we encounter some, you know, difficult things here. But, um,
1: yeah, I see, I see a lot of European descent, uh, people as well. Oh, really? (laughs) You know, like you're saying, yeah, I mean, I I think there's something that, uh, traditions have strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I'm, I grew up Roman Catholic, but I'm Presbyterian and one of the Presbyterian uh, strengths is that it has a learned clergy, and mm-hmm. one of the Presbyterian weaknesses is it has a learned <laughs> clergy. <laughs> exactly. uh, so, um, you know, I'll just leave it there.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. But uh, thank you for joining us. But uh, before we land this plane, uh, Dr. Kapik, uh Romans uh, 10.14 says, How would they call on him who have not believe, and how would they believe in him who have not heard, and how would they hear without a preacher, are you able to share the gospel today to our worldwide audience?
1: Uh, Yeah, you know, that's an interesting, the beautiful thing is that this God who made everything is genuinely love. What's distinctive about Christianity is not that the deity becomes loving, but because the Father, Son, and Spirit, this one God is three in himself, he is love. And out of that overflow of love, He creates, and even in our weaknesses and rebellion, He then comes and becomes one of us in order to make right what has gone wrong. So the Creator is also the Redeemer, and He's inviting us to participate in His own love, love of Himself, as love of us and of His world. And um, to enter that love, look look to Christ, the great manifestation of this Creator.
0: Well, amen. A- amen. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please go get out. Go get the book, A Little Book for New Theologians, Why and How to Study Theology by uh, Dr. Kelly M. Kapik, uh by IVP Academic Press. Uh, please go get the book. And uh, Dr. Kapik, where can people find you if you want to be found? And I always say that all the time. Uh, <laughs> social media, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. Well, what's funny is um I my most recent book's called You're Only Human and it's about our limits and how the our limits are a gift from God rather than uh, a, a problem. So I'm actually not on social media, but if they <laughs> if they type in my name, they'll find a you know, Covenant has a webpage and there are links and, and where people can invite me to speak and Uh, That kind of thing. And they can see my work or just honestly, Amazon, they can see my my work. But I I, uh, for to keep my soul. (laughs) I'm not on social media. (laughs) I'm not against other people doing it. It's just not good for my soul. So I'm not so sorry.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. He, you, he can't be found guys. So that's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can find out. Uh, yeah. You can find stuff, but yeah, I'm just going to get there,
0: his, so. go get his book. Well, we would love to yeah. have you back on and Absolutely. Uh, we, we would love to interview on your other books, your latest book. Um, whenever you are free, um, that would be a blessing to, to us and I'm sure f- for our listening audience.
1: Thanks so much. This has been fun. I appreciate
0: it. Well, thank you. Thank you again. Thank you, doctor. You got it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode with Dr. Kelly M. Kapik on his book, A Little Book for New Theologians, Why and How to Study Theology by IBP Academic Press. Steve, what did you think about that podcast? Because I was excited about it. Uh, I just love how natural it went. Uh, it went smoothly. I love how he was just talking about, um, bringing, uh, just theology and worship, theology and prayer all together. And, and, and again, we couldn't talk about everything in the book cause we want you to go out and right. read it, yeah. but, uh, I hope we gave you enough, but man, what were your thoughts on that? No, I,
2: I loved it. It what a great conversation, just such an easy guy to talk with. And that's, you see that in the book as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost conversational. Um, he, he quotes Sinclair Ferguson on the back of the, the book, Sinclair does a, an endorsement. Mm. And he says to study with Kelly Capek must be serious fun an <laughs> ideal starter kit for the beginning theology student and an affect an affection refresher for those who have been longer on the way. And that's really what it is. Yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, theology is not just an intellectual pursuit. It should yeah. impact all of our lives, you know, our, our orthopathy as well. And, uh, And so uh, I love that was a great conversation and look forward to having him back again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, that was a great quote from Ferguson. I mean, if you're you're, uh, uh, either a pastor or somebody, a theologian who've been doing it for a long time, reading this little book, it is a little refresher. Just a reminder why uh, you do the things you do and, man, the ability that God has given some people to be able to write and uh, explain things and expound things of yeah. just these deep, rich thing that God has allowed us to learn about him. And I love that he quotes
2: theologians throughout mm-hmm. history, you yep. know, going all the way back to the first, second Since, century, yeah. you know, and I think, again, that just reiterates how important it is for us to make sure that we're reading these these old dead guys as well right yeah you know and not just the new books
0: yeah absolutely and and that's what i really appreciate about him in the book and i when we asked him about the the quotes i mean he's on the whole spectrum of just quoting guys from all different absolutely i mean he's quoting people from the middle ages you know and 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 forward and and to this time as well you know in our current time so uh we really really appreciate uh having uh Dr. Capuch and, and hopefully have him on on his latest book that came out in yeah. January, "Your are Only Human. And uh, uh, that should be really, really exciting. Well, ladies, and, ladies and gentlemen, please, please uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. Um, and like we always like to end the show, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. Till next week, guys. Bye-bye.